<laughs> Let's rock and roll. Yeah, you ready for the intro? Let's rock and roll. Okay, here we go. What's going on? I am so excited. I've missed this job of doing the introduction. I don't get to be loud and be energetic. And we always have this guy here who's like, welcome to the show. This is a... But now it's me. It's episode four, 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 four. I'm so excited to be here. This dude don't like tripping on uh, four, four. Look, look I'm, I'm hitting the mic, hitting the mic. <clears throat> this thing is not a steady mic. Dave don't, Duncan don't blame the mic. needs to fix his don't blame, mic. Don't blame the mic. Over here, we got our main man, the prayer man. How are you? Sean Conroy. That's it. How are you? How are you? Right here. The other dude. Lot of mercy. Elijah. <laughs> and then our guest of honor today, the other Tom. Tom. Wow. The other Hi. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> How do you introduce him as the other Tom? The, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could have rolled that Because in his there, introduction though. is going to be finesse later on when I come out with the boom. The, the other I'm Tom. Like, you, yeah, you have some boom This tonight? is who we have. Right. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm happy. I like doing the introduction. I missed it. The other I miss dressing up to do the introduction and, and wearing costumes and hats and bringing it. Bringing we, it. We don't miss that, Jason Kelsey. So, guys, if you guys like the show, if you feel the energy... Please, 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 why am I typing and I'm not even, I'm hacked. Oh, that's me. Oh. I, I hacked you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I got someone, confused for a second, too. Someone just typed onto my name. I'm like, I'm like wait a minute. Is someone wait, my account is hacked. <laughs> Can you not touch my phone? Well, you left it there. I'm trying to do an intro here. <laughs> my bad. Oh, you my fit bad. right in, too. You yeah. interrupting the intro? Perfect. Yeah. Guys, if you guys love the show, or if you just like it a little bit, or if you just stumbled upon the show, <laughs> share it. Like it. Let other people suffer through this next hour and three minutes <laughs> that we are about to present. Sean, how's it going, man? Anything new happened for you this week? No. No? Not at all. Nothing. Where's, where's Dave at? So, here's the thing. Dave called me like an hour ago, and apparently he was on 95 coming this way from Jersey, and a Dunkin' Donuts truck full <laughs> of donuts tipped over on 95. So, he's in the process of helping them clean that up right now. Some of what he was filling his trailer. He was going to be here later. I don't know. There was a box sent already. I don't know. So, so a Dunkin' Donut trailer failed in front of David Duncan. Yeah, and I like that. Apparently, the driver was unconscious, and Dave is currently filling the back of his trailer with Dunkin' Donuts. I, 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 I don't know if that works with you know our current weight loss challenge, but uh, you know, good for him. Hopefully, it works out for him. Maybe donuts is his weight loss thing, like, I, the, like the cookie diet. You can have the donut diet. I think that the, the state troopers were trying to arrest him, and he was like, "No, no, no, my name's on the truck. Look, Duncan, Duncan, this is mine." <laughs> I think he just took the driver's jacket and put it on and said, no, I belong here. This is horrible. Big guy. Yeah, I'm sure you guys think this is great because that means that he's eating it up and then I'm going to have to do something with my hair. Yeah, I think it's great. Duncan, I hope this is false information that they are uh, spreading. It's not. It's not. It's not not propaganda. uh, Although, although his wife did bring a box of Dunkin' Donuts today. Proves it. Yeah. And, and she said it fell off the truck, but you know how people use that line, it fell off the back of the truck? When they stole it? Yeah. So I thought, but it but it really did well, fall out of the back of the truck. I don't, I don't. It happens. It happens. And you know what, Sean? I'm very, very proud of you because that box was sitting right in front of you, and you chose to not partake in the goods. Well, see, here's the thing that Dave forgot is I don't eat donuts anyway. I don't like them. Good. 
He's gonna have to come up with a better a better mm-hmm. sabotage tactic. And then he sends his wife and kids in. Yeah, like like who like does a, that? Like a bleeding heart situation. Like who who like does that? that? Man, yeah, you keep training that guy. What's well, because he's. It's because he's filling up his truck. He can't. He couldn't get here himself. Oh, <laughs> definitely. So many donuts, so little time. Go ahead, Dave. Eat as many as you can get your hands on, buddy. I'm rooting for you. Uh, David, call me after the show. We need to talk. <laughs> Look, it seems- Lisa even confirmed. She said, that's how I heard it. So she's Lisa confirmed he's eating donuts on the side of 95 right it, now. It, it seems to me you're not taking this. It's not funny. It is funny. I am very upset right now. It doesn't seem like you're taking this serious at all. <clears throat> just because you're not the one shaving your head. I just see him in He does dri- shave his head. He shaves I, it once a week. I see week. him in the driver's seat like this. <laughs> 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 That's the video he's gonna send in for this week's <laughs> challenge. <laughs> like the gremlin on the wing. The funny thing is, I can so picture him. We're in a podcast, so they didn't see my face, but well, they definitely not see your face. face. Oh, oh man, it's funny. So listen, guys, we are still taking people to. Uh, if you want to hop in this biggest loser challenge with these guys. Please message us. We've got some other people that already messaged us that are going to hop on the challenge with them. So, and, and, and as far as me and Elijah, we discussed it before the show. We are going to begin tomorrow the 100 push-up challenge, 100 <clears throat> push-ups a day for the next two days. The motivation I need. Two days, that's it. <laughs> the, mo- the motivation I need to complete that task is this. If I have to do 100, my son has to do 30. Uh, I mean, that's between you and your son. No, you, you're you a minister, right? Make him do it. <laughs> that, that's not quite how it works. Uh, yeah. not, no. not, no. I didn't get the but light. We, yeah, we could pray for that. Yeah, I could see if the him, spirit moves through him. On yeah, that. I can't lay make him do it. Him. Lay hands on him. We can do that. Before <laughs> we, we'll yeah, lay hands we'll on him that, before you go I tonight. I can't make him do it. Yes, you can. It's not, I mean. Oh, wait, he's bigger than you. Never mind, Sean. All right. All right. Well, I'll discuss it with him before. I have a belt. Poor kid. So, so, so the thing is, we don't know how long we're going to do it for. We never discussed that. Uh, we don't know how we're going to keep each other accountable. Two days is good. But, yeah, figure two <laughs> days, so that's, you know, 50 sets of two each day. We're good I, to I go. Gotta, I got to break that up, man. I need five sets of 20. Five sets of 20? Yeah. I'm going to do 50 sets of two. Okay. Get well, my 100 push-ups in. Is going to be an all-day process, yeah. or is that like consecutively? Yeah. No, no, no. got to be consistent. It's going to be every, like, i got to figure out mathematically how often i got to do it so my muscles recover. That's they recover tough. when you sleep. That's true. They do recover. But i got to make sure they recover to my next set of two. It'll be good. It's tiring. It'll be, it'll be all right. It's tiring. It'll be all right. Tiring. Trust me. Oh, oh, that's me. Who's is that? Is that me? Oh, spam risk. Wow. Sorry. I forgot to turn the volume wow. down. Sorry, I wow. know that bad boy. Rookie mistake. Yeah, rookie. Uh, wow. Uh, I you got think, a new phone. You think we might have been doing this for 44 weeks. You would have figured out how to get that off. That Sorry. phone sounds like it's going to break the table. Gee, what is that? A 12? 12. That's the iPhone brick. I got somebody. Uh, like he was shooting yeah, last 11, night. But I'm going to switch it out with the 6. With the iPhone 6? Yeah, they don't think they'll notice. No, I don't think so either. No. They, they're, they're the same. They don't change the look of the iPhone. You're new to iPhone. It's yeah, I'm okay. very new. It's okay. Very it new. It shows. I do like it. It's okay. I do like it. Get a MacBook, too. So, Tom, what's up? Oh, yeah. That's why we do have a guest. <laughs> we got a guest yeah, today. Yeah, include him Jason, in the conversation. Jason's been trying to tell us to hurry up and get to the guest. 
So what's up, man? How you been? Good, man. Good. Yeah? Busy. Yeah. Busy? You're a busy man, man. That's why we have you here. Uh, Tom, so let me tell you a little bit about Tom, how I met him, um, and why and why he's here. Um, back in the day, I used to have an ice cream shop called Risters on High. Did very well. Coffee was amazing. <laughs> Coffee was amazing. <laughs> but we ended up having this, this, uh, this event called Sobar. There's a lot of people out there that are either in recovery or just don't like to be around drunks or just like to go out and not drink. So we kind of had an atmosphere of karaoke. We had a professional DJ there, and you can find mocktails. I hate this mic, Dave. Sorry, I, I really do. I don't like. The How mic. do you really feel? I, I, I want to strangle this mic. <laughs> well, well, the it's difference. Not... See how high his is, so he can get underneath of it. He doesn't have to worry about it. But that's my mic. That's what I'm saying. You're usually over here. You're underneath of it. Well, can't you raise that that chrome bar? I don't know. We could have thought. I, yeah, I yeah, guess. You should have thought of that earlier. We should have thought about. He that does chin ups on his. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> but but we, we were doing this this whole so bar thing, and 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 it was my wife's idea, and it turned out to be a really blessing, and we ended up becoming a ministry that we were having there. And Tom ended up coming to Sobar, and then he became really involved in Illumination. Um, and we became really good friends through, through those two ministries right there. And then I found out that he was going to give his testimony, his story. And it was actually on a Tuesday, and we had Prodigal Sons. So I actually did not come that night to Prodigal Sons. And I went to go check out his testimony, and it literally blew me away. It was I, I've heard a lot of testimonies, and I've heard a lot of great stories, but... For some reason, there was just a lot of other stuff going on right now that I don't Sorry. know. I keep playing like what's going on. <laughs> but, but there was a lot of stuff that, that, that he shared that really, really touched me. So then I talked to him about coming on, and then I talked to you guys, and we are now going to have a spot every other month. I think we're going to do it the third Tuesday of every other month. We're going to have someone get, we're going to have a guestimony. I like that. You like that? Yes, I like that. Yeah. You, you were waiting for a response. I, I was. I, I, was, you, I, was. I let you hang out there for a little yeah. bit. Right? I didn't think of it. Wait, Tom yo, we it. needed a sound effect after that. Yeah, yeah. I was waiting for something. <laughs> He's the sound effect guy, though. Yeah. So he was oh, yeah, ready for his own. He wasn't yeah. ready to blow his own tooth. Toot his own horn. I'm like, guestimony. He said, guestimony. And what like this? Guestimony. So Tom is the first of our guestimonies. And he is going to be sharing tonight, but but before that, you know, just got a just got a couple questions, fun questions for you, to kind of loosen up the uh, the mood a little can, bit. Can I ask the first? Yeah, first please question? do. I'm very I'm very 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 not happy right now because uh -oh. you chose to shave yours off. You have one, and you have one, but I can't grow a beard to save my <laughs> life. This is upsetting. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> you know, let me ask you a question since you brought it up. Okay. So you say you can't grow a beard, but yet you try, right? But I don't understand the trying of not being able to stage. Talk, talk oh. to me. Why not just keep it nice and smooth? Because I don't want to look 12. I don't look 12, do I? 13. Depends on how close I am. I might be the height of a... Th nah, most 13-year-olds are taller than me. No, I don't know. I try. I try. I'm just I try curious. To, I mean... I try, to, I try and change it up, but I just... You know, I guess I'm just not meant to have one of those lush beards that... 
It was just so neatly. Yeah, Tom definitely came in nicer than mine. <laughs> Mine's grows, like the old Grizzly yeah, Adams. Yeah, grows nicely though. Oh. Like, well, on, on on my neck, it only grows on half of it, so I only have to shave this half on my neck. So I mean, we're not. It's not. Well, your razor, not your razor lasts longer. Well, yeah, I don't. I use it's all an electric one. It lasts a longer. Trimmer. Yeah. I said it lasts longer. All right, next question. <laughs> I, I heard you don't like ice cream. Why don't you like ice cream? I know a guy who used to own an ice cream shop. No. <laughs> um, no, I, I, it's not that I don't like ice cream. I just don't eat it very, very much. I prefer uh, sorbet. I, <laughs> sorbet and frozen gelato. <laughs> He's a gelato guy. No, I I prefer uh, more salty food than sweet. Gotcha. So we, my, me and my son and Sam, we make pickles and. Uh, jerky and things like that. Never fry your pickles? Some no, not myself. I'm gonna have to talk to you about that because I actually want to start making pickles, so I'm gonna have to yeah. talk to you about that. Yeah, yeah. You want pickles? Pickle guys. Yeah. We'll talk. So we'll talk. <laughs> Pastor Pete thinks he's funny, just so everybody knows. So he said, "Did you make up the testimony thing? Because what do you call it? a testimony from a member of the Prodigal Sons? A testimony? <laughs> <laughs> Only for you, Pete. Only for you." <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I think he's a little salty tonight. A pestimony? A little salty. Well, I guess when he talks, we have to listen to his pastimony, which <laughs> yeah. puts us to sleep. I'll tell you what. <laughs> this this show is not about Pastor Pete at all. No. Right. It's about Tom. Absolutely. But I want to veer off Tom and go to Pastor Pete. But you okay. just said we... Okay. Because he did a... He, 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 said a, he said something on Sunday that blew my mind. He said, the gospel is not a religion I believe in. The gospel is the truth that changed my life, and and that was when he said it. I just got blown away. I think he stole so that much. from somebody. Yeah. He's always stealing. I, well, it's funny because it's funny you say that because I posted it on my Facebook and I and, and I put Pastor Peter Clark. And after I posted, it, I'm like, man, I hope he didn't steal it from somebody. And <laughs> he I'm definitely giving him credit. Definitely. <laughs> he's he's going to get a subpoena next week in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> somebody's BMI is going to go off and owe somebody royalties. So, so here's a question for you. Before tonight, uh-huh. have you ever even watched an episode of The Prodigal Sons? I've watched part of one. I didn't get through it all the way. Okay. To, be, um, uh, 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 to be honest. No, I like honesty. I, I like it. I don't have time in, well, my, in my days for anything. No. You can listen to us. <laughs> And we'll get into that because you are a super, 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 super busy dude. And actually, on Tuesdays, you usually go to celebrate recovery anyway. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason. Who's busier? Between what? Between the Toms. Uh, well, I think uh, we're. Riviera doesn't have her job. Riviera? So. <laughs> wow. Just wow. called you straight out like. Wow. Putting a syllable in there, an extra syllable. <laughs> I would say I'm still probably a tad busier than him, and on a daily yeah. basis, yeah. So that means he's giving himself a boost. So that means you are technically yeah. more busy than he is. And, and for Sarah's <laughs> little smart remark, the psychological. Uh, <laughs> I had to turn down, down jobs because I don't have the time for it to do. Because I'm in God's ministry, which is what I've been called to do. So I'm proud of that. I, anyway, I, see, I would have answered that we're equally busy with different things. We are equally busy. You try to be PC, but there's no PC yeah. in times. So just let them have it. You just, just let them have it. Yeah. Uh, I feel your e- <laughs> I feel. I feel you have a few hours in the evening available to you. Wow. On Wednesdays, I just explained that to you. Only on Wednesdays. <laughs> that, is, that is the equivalent of somebody counting your money. <laughs> he says, "I feel you have a few hours left." <laughs> Oh man, what's your favorite color? Uh, purple. What's your favorite number? Um, 
three, thirteen, seven, eleven. What's your favorite movie? Uh, man, I don't know. I got that's not the title. I just don't have an answer. I got stumped on that one. Yeah, too. Uh, I'm not sure. It changes. It does. That's yeah. a good answer. It does change. That's what I said. It yeah. does. Yeah, we're gonna that's get rid tough. of one time and yeah. add another one, right? <laughs> cool. Oh, I said that out loud? No, you didn't. That was supposed to be my You didn't say it out loud. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're all good. So, yeah. tell us about yourself, man. I've been, I've been dying to, to, to hear this story again. I, uh, and, and actually, I'm dying for, for the f- seven people that watch the show to, to, to <laughs> hear the story. Fan base. <laughs> <laughs> We're up to 16 right now. We're it up to 16. Tom's here. Yeah, it's got to be right. Tom's here because that's, that's a world record right there for Woo! us. 16 viewers. Right now? Yeah. Oh, yeah, right this moment. 17. 17. Look at that. Keep talking, yeah. Tom. Just yeah. keep on right. Guys, keep logging on. Keep logging on. Hashtag <laughs> <laughs> trending. Yeah. <laughs> right. World star. Uh, so you want me to go right into the testimony or give you a... Uh, I, I, how about a little... I don't know. I can yeah, talk a little, a little bit about... Uh, give us a little background about yourself. This is your time. So, this is your story. This is your platform right now. Before you start, though, I do want to read See, a scripture. Called, All right. Because I feel that, that we haven't read anything. And, and I actually, it kind of relates a little bit. And I'm going to be reading from Psalms 18. And I'm going to actually be reading from verses 2 to 6. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock, in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise. And he saved me from my enemies. The ropes of death entangled me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death's laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. And, and the reason I picked that is because I had, I had the opportunity to already listen to your testimony. And, and when I read that, it just resonated with, with what you're about to talk. And that's why I wanted to read it. <laughs> <laughs> it took me a minute. I'm like, why are they staring at me like that? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I'm old. I'm old. Seasoned. Seasoned, yes. yeah. Not wise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they say that wisdom comes with age. I'm still waiting. You're not cheddar, my man. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the problem. The transition from comedy to like, all right, go, get serious. Like, Do it. Serious. You're on. But see, he's already going to talk about something before. He's not going to die. Yeah, he's not going right so. in. He's going to. No, I, I, I kind of am because that, that, I'm more comfortable with so that. You, all right, so you call me, made me out to be alive. <laughs> yeah. You're never I mean, coming back. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if, if that's okay, I'll just go right into the testimony. Um, just because I am. A little nervous, so. Don't be. Oh, thanks. Come on, the audience is all up to 19 now. Just look at Tom's yeah. That's comic book. Are we at 19? 19. We're 19. Uh, there, was, uh, there was probably 50 in, in CR when I read it. What do you think? You were there. There was uh, there was about 50 people. Yeah. Sis, so, so you're still under the bar. You should be fine. No and it was live. Inside. There's nobody really. I mean, this is just us. Yeah. Yeah. So be uh, nervous. Be nervous. Be nervous, yeah. It's more authentic. So I'm just going to read it as is, and then afterwards, you know, it's open to questions. Um, like I said, I wrote this, or I didn't say, I wrote this testimony for Celebrate Recovery, 12-step program that I'm involved in, um, a Jesus-centered 12-step program, and uh, I had, a, I think, a 25-minute 
time frame when I wrote it. So I tried to stay within that. I also tried to... Well, I'm just going to read it. If that's okay. Four is yours. It's not okay. I'm waiting for Tom to interrupt me one more time. <laughs> Don't worry. He's Don't going worry. to. I'll be... Yeah. All right. <laughs> My name's Tom. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. And I have... Uh, Victory over drug addiction, alcoholism, physical self-harm, shame, and depression. I'll start with a summary of my relationship with my mom. I never remember living with her as a kid. I would go a year or two of seeing her and then a year or two of not. Nothing majorly exciting or eventful ever really happened with her, just the constant feeling of not good enough or that she didn't want me in her life, which I would later identify as shame, abandonment, and deep roots to my self-esteem issues. My first memory as a child is of being about seven or eight years old, walking to the bus stop and being chased down and bitten by the neighbor's dog, Reggie. I don't know why that's my first memory, but it is, and I don't remember much before or after that. To this day, I still have very vague memories of my early childhood until about nine or ten years old. I lived with my dad, stepmom, sister, and stepbrother. My dad and stepmom would have these horrible fights, screaming matches really, that would frequently end with turned over furniture, broken dishes, and my sister and I hiding out. We lived in a twin house, and on the other side there were two boys my age and two older girls and their mom. I would sometimes stay over there for several days, just hanging out, wrestling, running around the neighborhood, and sleeping over their house. Looking back, I always felt safe and accepted there and searching for that feeling would become a constant in my life. We would steal cigarettes from their mom, my stepmom, or sister, break stuff in the alley late at night, steal candy from the store, play sports, and whatever else to pass the time and keep out of my, ha my house. Uh, about this time was my first of many encounters with the police. There was an apple tree down the street, and we picked a bunch of them and were hurling them at police cars. <laughs> We got driven home that night by police, and they spoke to our parents. It was around then when I first stole some pot from my dad and went down to the park to smoke it. We didn't know what we were doing or what to expect, but for me, I felt calm, safe, and accepted again, and worry-free, like I didn't need or want anyone else, or like I didn't need anything else, nor did I want them. I felt like this was the solution to understanding and coping with my feelings. Coming home that night was another story. I was so scared, I could hear my dad tearing his room apart, looking for it, and I remember my stepmom glaring at him. I quickly learned to not steal the whole bag, but instead just take a little bit here and there. By the next year in seventh grade, I found myself actively seeking out not only pot, but anything that would take me out of myself. I would take pills from people without knowing what they were, drink, and take over-the-counter medicine, enough to feel confident and out of myself and be comfortable around others. I had no fear of authority, my parents, or of death, which was the beginning of another strong pattern in my life. My grades plummeted, I quit playing sports, and I spent very little time at home. It was always the same thing. My stepmom manipulating and being psychologically and emotionally abusive and my dad always on the brink of blowing a gasket for no apparent reason. As my grades fell and I acted more and more outwardly defiant, I started feeling like no one cared and like I wasn't worth the effort to even see what was going on. 
Feeling this way caused me to act out even more and continue to get that same result. It also was one of the keystones in my mentality becoming very self-centered, self-reliant, and learning how to shut people out. Looking back, I don't think I was ever punished growing up. My dad would try, but then come into my room a few minutes later, and after a very wordy lecture, say it was okay and I wasn't grounded anymore. Uh, by 14 years old, I was in summer school, had a 16-year-old girlfriend, and was selling and doing hard drugs. I honestly didn't care about anything except the next high. I had no awareness or care of how my behavior affected others, and was just living for the moment, always trying to get reprieve from my nagging thoughts and feelings. I had a gun pushed in my face at 14, year old, 14 years old by a dealer I robbed in Chester and told him to do it. You would think this would be enough to create some introspection, but it was just the beginning of seeing how deep a bottom I could dig. I went to my first rehab that summer, right when I turned 15 years old. I was legally emancipated and sent down to Florida. It was either that or face multiple drug and robbery charges. That was the ultimatum given to me by a detective and two police officers. I took it as a literal get out of jail free card and a vacation from my horrible life. Um, I dropped out of school, got my GED, and started living like the adult I thought I was, manipulating people to serve my desires, taking what I wanted, and leaving a trail of destruction and heartbreak behind. I spent about a year in Florida until I burned all of the bridges I had built there and then moved out to Las Vegas. At this time I was like 17, 16, 17 years old. Um, I was in Vegas about a year thinking I was doing good. I was drinking daily but staying out of trouble, keeping to myself and holding a steady job. And this was good compared to my previous couple of years. My dad was getting married to who used to be my neighbor, that kind, loving, accepting person who un unknowingly would let me hide from my reality at her house. When I was back visiting for the wedding and pretending like my life was manageable, I met my now ex-wife. We would party and party. I thought I loved her when really I just loved having someone with me that I could get high and drunk with. I was using her and she was using me. We got pregnant and we got married. I remember thinking to myself, now that I'll be a dad, I'll have someone, someone to look after and I can finally leave all this crap in the past. But as we know, we cannot shut the door on our past or run from it. Things seemed fine. We would smoke pot occasionally. I had a great job as a welder, iron worker. She stayed at home and took courses online. But in reality, I was barely hanging on to my fleeting sanity by a thread. A couple of weeks after Thomas's first birthday, uh, she looked at me and said, I never wanted to be married, have a family, and I want you and Thomas to move out. That thread of sanity I had was now severed. We moved out, and I immediately filed for divorce and started drinking heavily. About three months afterwards, I would fill a kitchen glass daily with liquor in the morning chug it, take Thomas to daycare, and then go to my job as an iron worker. I would drink on the job and after work again, not thinking, and after work, again, not thinking about my safety, my son's safety, or anything other than why this happened to me and what's wrong with me that people keep pushing me out 
when I'm trying my best. That was my mentality at the time. I wasn't <laughs> actually trying my best. Uh, eventually, she and her mom started seeing Thomas again on weekends, which I used as my opportunity to let loose, as if drinking a fifth a day isn't loose enough. <laughs> I quickly became addicted to painkillers, which led to the cheaper street version pretty fast. There was a night where Thomas was asleep, and I heard a knock on the door. It was his mom. She barged in, pointed to everything I had spread out across the ca uh, coffee table, and took him out of his bed. Over the next two and a half years was a string of detoxes, rehabs, jails, very brief periods of abstinence where I felt nothing but shame, hopelessness, and self-pity. Uh, there was, however, some light, albeit misguided. By that I mean, my thinking told me that women and relationships in general with anyone is why I felt this way, which led to two and a half years of sexual abstinence in every way. That's just an example of one of the many delusions I told myself would fix me. My last day in jail was cut short by a legal loophole, and I had nowhere to go, my car had gotten stolen, and I had burned every bridge I rebuilt so many times. Uh, my mom was living in California and had a friend who ran a sober living in Los Angeles. She bought me a plane ticket, and I was out there the next day. I very quickly got a job, got promoted, stayed sober, met a girl, and again tried to ignore my empty heart and my destructive past. I thought I finally had it together. Let me rephrase that. I convinced myself I finally had it together. I would talk to Thomas and my parents, meaning Robin and my dad, send money to my son's mom, working as an operations manager and living just for today. Sometime later, I wanted to come back and try to work out some sort of custody agreement or visitation so I could be a real part of my son's life. I wasn't ready, and I knew I wasn't ready, but I thought maybe this time would be different. Maybe I could keep faking it long enough. Don't worry about your watch, man. This is, this is, this is important. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now I gotta worry about that sentence again. <laughs> I thought maybe this time would be different. Maybe I could keep faking it long enough like I'd been until it worked itself out. So I came back with the girl. We got pregnant. And I got my old job welding and I did nothing at all that was remotely difficult to help grow my relationship with my son. I started using around the time she was two months pregnant. And just like every other brief point of abstinence, abstinence, I picked up a step or two further, further down the road. Not where I left off and certainly not where I started all those years ago. I hid it and lied about it pretty well until my daughter was being born. I was withdrawing, frantic, uh, withdrawing frantically calling and waiting for my dealer and getting high more than I was at the bedside in the delivery room. She knew, everyone knew, and again, I just thought about how this impacted me. How shameful and guilty I felt, how bad I felt, and how mad at myself, how mad I was at myself, and so on and so on. We decided to move back to California. It was the path of least resistance and new believable promises I knew I wouldn't keep. I flew on the plane with about with a pocket full of drugs in my pocket and a two-month-old daughter in my arms. Man, this is hard. Man, am I a real POS. Why is my life so hard? Was all I could think, feel, 
uh, me, 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 and how bad my life is, and how much I hurt people who care about me. The next three years, again, full of detoxes, rehabs, suicide attempts, again, during periods of abstinence. Sorry, I can hear the kids in the background. That's what I just said to them. The next, the next few years were again full of detoxes, rehab, suicide attempts during periods of abstinence, psychiatric hospitals, and homelessness. Every suicide attempt was at a point in my life where I was not using or drinking. And this is key. I, uh, again, every suicide attempt was at points in my life where I was not using or drinking, but I did not have a relationship with God or a program of recovery and action. Drugs and alcohol were my medicine to my sickness and to take them away and not replace it with God was all but a deadly recipe. I checked myself into rehab again on August 7, 2017. I refused all detox medication and sat in my detox bed and cried. I cried for seven days straight. I had prayed when I got there begging for change, begging for something to be different and it was. God had given me the ability for those seven days to step outside of myself and see the pain I had caused so many people, and for once not be concerned with how it impacted me at all. After detox, I went to rehab and started applying all the things I was so self-centered and too scared to hear before. Prior to this, all my life, I considered myself to be on the same level as God. I mean, I did what I wanted, I faced the consequences that followed, I never died, considering many overdoses and suicide attempts, and absolutely no one could hurt me, and to me that meant I had all the power. I finally realized I'm not God, and that my perception of godly traits was completely warped. I took the time to get to, under, to, get to understand what kind of God Jesus Christ is, his uncontested forgiveness, abundant grace never-ending love and the ultimate power that could truly help me as it has so many before me and will continue to well beyond me. I would write out all the evidence of Jesus in my life and how he has been in and worked in my life. I would also write out specific examples, sometimes lists and sometimes as journal entries of how unmanageable every single aspect of my life was. Doing these two things in parallel really helped me to see how one side affects the other which was paramount for my foundation. These two actions pushed me right through to step two and gave me not only the ability to believe in God, but also the extremely strong desire. The idea of being restored to sanity was pretty fascinating yet abstract, was a pretty fascinating yet abstract concept to me. I had never felt insane on the one hand, but on the other hand, from my earliest years, always felt like my life was insane and chaotic. I had no idea what this would look like, but I did know what 100% what trying it every and any other way looked like, so I was eager to find out. I would begin having moments of clarity, moments of understanding where I typically wouldn't, moments of empathy, and the ability to pause and not react. This, re this really was becoming a beautiful relationship. I began daily and situationally turning my will and my life over to God, Jesus Christ, which gave me the strength and courage to continue on, 
really to start living life on life's terms and come to grips with how little I truly have control over and how freeing of a feeling that is. My daughter's mom would constantly, and still does, but I don't have time to get into it, <laughs> remind me of all the horrible things I've done before, and I, would, I used to internalize that and just disappear and go self-destruct, but that was no more. I had Jesus' forgiveness and Jesus' love, and I was not going to give that up for a pity party of one. This didn't happen overnight and happened for me because I earnestly sought Jesus and took many small actions to build my foundation with Christ. I started fearlessly writing all the things I was angry about, things I used, things I used to resent or want to escape from, and all of the specific situations where I hurt someone, either intentionally or unintentionally. In doing this, I would search for my part in it what I did to cause the situation and was completely ready to take full blame and responsibility and hand it over to God and ask for forgiveness. This was not as difficult as it seemed because I fully believed I would get the result I was promised. It was a classic example of the fear and anxiety of the thing far outweighing the actual thing. When I was finished with this notebook of my past and read it out loud to my sponsor and out loud to, to God, I asked my sponsor at the time to please not comment while I read it through read through it like a grocery list. At the end we prayed, asked God to forgive me, and I felt like I shed my skin and was a new man. I felt like the weight of the world was off my chest and I could begin to live with integrity and self-respect. A few days later we went back to my list. I asked my sponsor for comments and we dug into each line and began listing my character defects and shortcomings. Over the next couple weeks, I spent time writing out what I want to replace these character flaws with and began working, with them, working on them at every opportunity. Replace lying with honesty, greed with generosity, changing my cold heart to a warm, warm one, and so on. I prayed every, op op every morning for the opportunities to work on these, and slowly but surely there was noticeable change in my character. I felt good about myself. I guess it's true. To build self-respect, you do things respectably. To build self-worth, you do, do worthy things. And to build trust back, you stay honest. Now that I had been forgiven by God, it was time for me to continue cleaning up my side of the street by apologizing and making amends to those I harmed and hurt. I spent a few months making this list and asked advice from many different people about specific situations. I wish I could say that all the amends I made were received well, but that's not my story. Uh, there were several people who did not want to hear from me at all, and also th those who didn't acknowledge my amends or that I was trying to be a better man, which I had to be okay with. Making these amends is just the last action step I needed to take to be on the right side with myself and God. There are also cases, like with my son, where verbal amends would do very little, and instead I need to act out my amends by continuing to grow spiritually, reaching to be the best man that I can be for him. While I cannot go back and repay all of the money or return every item I've taken from family members, I can, however, buy someone groceries when it's apparent they could use a hand up, or buy clothes for the homeless, donate my time to others, and always be willing to help the next person in need. Following the previous actions, I was left with daily management steps.
taking a look at myself every day to see where I could improve, who, owed, who I owed an apology to, and what characteristics I could ask God to help me work on. Continuing every day to work on my relationship with God and praying for His will to be done in my life. I love this one and it, as it keeps me grounded and allows me to have abundant acceptance for things I can't control. And finally, helping others by carrying this message and practicing these principles in every area of my life. Parenting, work, family, relationships, self, and all others. Working through these steps took me about nine months. Uh, and shortly after that, I moved back to Pennsylvania from California. Working through these steps took me about nine months. At a year of sobriety, I moved back here from California. That was not at all a year full of comfort or joy. Quite the contrary. Uh, someone very close to me was sexually abused. I had kept trying to work things out with my daughter's mom. And every time it got uglier and uglier, I was homeless for months in sobriety, sleeping outside, going to meetings all day to pass the time. I had no relationship with my son for eight months. Um, sorry, it looks like <laughs> I ran through it real quick. Uh, I came back and stayed in Pennsylvania for about six months. I was in a step study here and grew in my recovery and relationship with God. I now had to consciously make the most difficult decision of my life with the soundness of mind and nothing to ease the discomfort. I had to choose whether to leave my daughter for years and rebuild with my son or go back and stay in California and accept what that meant for my son. I talked to a lot of people and to God about this decision. My dad, who was at the time eight years in recovery and actively working his recovery, was my best and most trusted sounding board. I ended up going to California and enjoying as much time with my daughter as I could before taking action on that decision. Neither would be easy for me or good for me in the short term. Either way, my heart would always be heavy and in turmoil. So it came, came down to not which, which of my children would benefit most, but rather which would have fewer long-lasting negative impacts of the decision. I knew my son's my son uh, my son was starting to mature. I could tell by speaking to him, and he showed that in some of his behavior. At this time, he just turned 11 and was beginning to form values, morals, and ideals that he would most likely carry for a long time. So I moved back to Pennsylvania. So many things have happened, and life has been a roller coaster since then. But the bottom line and constant is my relationship with Jesus built on the foundation that I built. <laughs> with what I've been able to, with that, the rest of this doesn't really apply. Alright, well, with that I've been able to hold a good job, have a great relationship with my kids, to, some, to an extent. <laughs> The ability to talk to my daughter on the phone regularly and fly out and visit her and be a positive influence in both my children's lives. I've been blessed to have met someone that is truly my partner and we love each other so much and for the right reasons. I continue to work on myself and think about how I impact those around me. 
I call and talk to my dad all the time to, about difficult things, and I consider him now to be my best friend. I am in, engaged to Samantha, who loves me, encourages me, and stands by me, and all the di difficult decisions I have to make. And it amaze me, amazes me that I get to wake up with someone that's supportive every morning. Uh, I've completed an eye-opening and deeply honest step study and built true and strong connections with other men, people I would do anything for, and if they asked, I know they would do the same for me. People trust me. I am trusted at work, at home, in society, in my community, and here, that if I say I will do something, it is considered complete, and that is an amazing gift to bring to people. I no longer feel like a, like every relationship ends in hurt or pain, and that's because of my relationship with Jesus. The gifts of recovery are never ending, just like the challenges and difficulties, but I honestly believe that all things are possible through Christ who strengthens, strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 I am so grateful for everything that I've been through and for everything I've done, because it has led me here, physically, sharing my testimony with you guys, but more importantly, here in God's grace and forgiveness, which is where I want to stay until I die. I thank you for this opportunity and pray that my testimony gave some of you hope. If I can leave you with some encouragement, I'd like to say that, is, that there is always a step you can take in the right direction. Sometimes they, were, they are big, but most of the time they are very small and menial. But I promise you the best way to get to where you want to be is by moving towards that place. Thank you. Amen. No, I mean, wow. wow. Right? Yeah, man. Oh, man. You grabbed me early on. <laughs> like, 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 seriously, like early on, like the things you're experiencing, I think I know someone who has recently experienced it. And, like, it, it hurts to have to think of a child going through that. You know what I mean? Like, early on with the, you know, you said the arguing and the, the fighting mm -hmm. and. And, and all of that and like one of the first one of the first things that really like stood out from all of that like when you said you was go with the neighbor you know to, to feel safe yeah like was that a feeling that you were chasing your whole life that safe place yeah like from that comfort moment on, comfort yeah. yeah internal comfort yeah, yeah. well I really I hope you I pray you found it man I oh yeah, I have. <laughs> um, I got a lot of questions, but I know other people. Yeah. yeah, and that neighbor that that's my my dad's wife now. That's the same person that. See, they, I got to work. Right? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. he was giving me a preview right. of your future. Right, <laughs> it's wild. That's good. So, I don't know. This this popped in my head when you were talking, uh, just because I've had my issues with alcohol and everything, but. How amazing does it feel when you give up the false worldly freedom for heavenly freedom? It's it's indescribable, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I need nothing tangible to feel good about myself and to feel at peace, and that's it's amazing. Doesn't matter, you know, if I'm broke or it won't matter, you know, regardless of anything in the world, like that, that piece is there and it's there to stay. 
You always got somebody. You always got somebody that you can depend on. Yeah. No matter what. No matter yeah. Good times, hard times. You know what I mean. You don't have to see that person standing in front of you, but you know they're watching you. Oh yeah. And taking care of you. Yeah. And 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 that's a beautiful piece because what piece is that? The Jesus. piece of Jesus. Yeah. Right. So Jesus is the constant in our lives, and 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 it's an amazing story to me listening to it because of that piece right there of Jesus being our constant. You know, we just went through a rough year with a lot of things, but Jesus was always right there next to to all to all of us and, and to those who believe and cling to Him, right? right. And, and that's the beautiful thing about our Lord and Savior is that no matter what's going on, no matter what you're going through, no matter what people say, He's constantly by your side. He's constantly going to be there for you, and He's never going to leave you. Amen. Amen. You know I learned it. <laughs> you know, you know, as a reason, you know, I'm like, you know, and I know he's there, man. You know, and it's it. amazing because once you realize that 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 happiness that you can have no matter what tangibles or what you have in life, you start to ask yourself, why doesn't everybody like believe this? You know, because there's people that 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 we have ministered to, but yeah. yet they choose, and and that was me. So I'm not, you know. We're human entities, but choose to yet not walk with Christ after. But see, the, the, the crazy thing about it is I think we use tangible wrong because you think of something tangible as something you can grab or really hold on to. But when you got Christ in your life, you feel it. Yeah, I you, mean, you feel it. So that's gifts like, of acceptance, gifts of forgiveness. Yeah. Like those are way better than anything. Absolutely. And it's like the fact that I can I have the ability to accept things as they come and forgive people when they hurt me and not shut them out of my life completely. You know, um, those two for me are huge differences. And, <laughs> and I know, I know, it's like we're, we're like we're celebrating your journey, but one of the darkest times that I got from doing your journey, choosing to not take any detox meds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say <laughs> about the kids. No. I, <laughs> no, that, I can't I imagine can't, making that decision. You know, um, like mine is here. And anything, anything pertaining to children and them having a hard time, a hard go, um, having to experience things that, as children, they shouldn't experience. Yeah. It upsets me. It hurts me. Like, this is, like, I don't know how old you are, but I know this was a long time ago. And it still, it still bothers me that you had to go through that. Oh, you know, yeah. we all, we all had to go through something. You know what I mean? But some of us had those positive influences in our lives that kept us on track. Um, you know, me, it took for me getting falsely accused of, you know, a mistaken identity, attempted murder. Like, at 14, <clears throat> that's all I needed. Like, that's, that's all I needed to be, you know what I mean, on the straight and narrow. Like, no, like, but, you know, having, you know, people around you to, to guide you. Like, was there any, like, I was going to ask, was there anybody that you could say you could depend on other than Jesus because you didn't know him at the time, but that you could depend on through that whole that whole journey. Somebody you could always call and they would pick up the phone and say, Man, all right, you might have screwed up, but I got you. Did you have like one person other than other than like mom or dad? No, I pushed everybody out of my life. Everybody. Yeah. Man. I pushed everybody out of my life and that was based I mean that was that was around guilt and shame and 
everything that that uh, all, you know, all those feelings that my actions created within me. You know, not feeling worthy of of those things. That, that step to get that back, like how? Yeah. That journey to, to try and rebuild those bridges, like. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if I'm getting to no, 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 it's fine. Know. Yeah, but it, it, some of them, I mean, I, I would, I don't expect to ever be rebuilt, which is, which is okay. Um, but with my core family, like, I, I mean, I don't speak to my mom or my sister. Um, I've tried to reach out many times, and uh, you know, people don't change just because you change, right? Um, but you know what so. I was told by him, and you know what I was told by him, and what I was told by Dave, and what I was told by Pastor Pete? It's not when you want it to happen. Right. That's uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I'll uh, keep praying for opportunities. Yep. That's, that's exactly what they told. They were like, <laughs> yeah. just keep praying on it, Yeah. Just keep praying I'll on. pray for opportunities, and when it's supposed to be right, you know, it'll happen. I stay open. <laughs> well, you got somebody and, else and praying willing. for you that it happens. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, no. Still in the show. I'm sorry. No, it's like good. a one-on-one. I'm sorry. <laughs> you took a lot of notes. I was watching. <laughs> you God, did take a lot of notes. You I took some notes too, but I mean, you just... Because I, I talk to him on a daily, so I can ask him anything at any time I want. <laughs> I mean, all right. Well, um, when you said now versus when you thought you had a horrible life. Right. And when you said horrible, I saw you throw yeah, the air yeah, yeah. so I know, like, I know you're probably like, I was young and I had no idea what a horrible life was. Oh my gosh, was. yeah, no idea. So yeah, I mean, I was a teenager. I, I when I, I remember thinking in school, like, once I got into middle school, like, this is the worst. Why, why do I have to go to school? And and uh, dude, that looking back, like, school is so easy. You just get to hang out with your friends. Like, you got to do a little paperwork here and there. Like, yeah, a little paperwork. Yeah. You yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, it was so much, um, so naive, I guess, so immature and, uh, you know, definitely emotionally immature. I get it, man. Look, I get it. That's why I'm saying, like, listening to everything, like, all your stuff, and it's just, like, there's a lot. It, it, it's, uh, okay, like, the, the part of your relationship when you said you was, you were using her and she was using you. Mm-hmm. Like how did like how did that how did that break up like how did you just like well I told you, she so she just woke up one day and said she never wanted it after we had a son I mean after he was a year old I think I think she probably I don't I don't know I don't want to speak on what I think but um, when you said that yeah I started sniffling that's why he handed me the tissues oh okay <laughs> yeah he mean, knows well and <laughs> he knows yeah so. I mean neither I don't think either of us were emotionally capable of having a relationship so it, it was not, um you know so it boils down to we were using each other for one reason or another selfish reasons right right, right. Um, I'll tell you what man I will pray and pray and pray and pray that if no relationship gets stronger the, the bond between you and your children do yeah oh and it I mean between me and my son it, it has so much but you guys so much too, and right? yeah um but again you know that's that's where that gift of acceptance comes in <laughs> because I truly to be uh, be okay with myself every day it, that is a gift from god you know to have that so that 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 um you know weighing on my heart but still be okay and like truly okay not just say i'm okay 
um, and continue on uh, taking steps forward and, and you know, living life uh, is, is, is a gift from God. And I, and I trust that when that is ready to take the next step, it will happen. And I just keep doing the background stuff until, until God's ready for it, for it to happen. You know, I just keep doing the little things that I can do and staying ready um, and willing and open-minded to different, different solutions. But well, that's how, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the, that's, that's the proper step, you know, because you know, you're doing what's right. Cause again, like I can't, I can't, I can't take away from the fact of, um, you know, the prodigal sons and the people in this church, they, the way they see me, <clears throat> they see me as a, I guess a really good person, a, a, a cool person. My son doesn't think I'm cool, but, <laughs> you know, people see me as a cool person and people see me differently than how I see myself. So when I started going through my, you know, my tough time, the outpour of love and everything that I got, it took me a while to realize that it was just a reciprocation of what I've given out. Mm -hmm. But everything I give out, I felt as though was the norm. You know how you would, like how like how somebody would shovel their neighbor's sidewalk that's elderly, you know what I mean? Or go to the store for them. Like you do that because you're taught that that's right and that's what you do. So you don't think you're doing anything special. You think you're just doing what you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. But when you really, when you really dig into it and you know, you're living for the Lord and everything you're doing is, is coming from a positive place. When you start getting those blessings, you, you're not going to know what to do with them. Like, I didn't yeah. know what to do with all the, all the love and the blessings I was getting. So I'm going to just, I'm, man, I'm going to pray that your journey just continues to get better, man, and you continue walking that path. I'm Thank you for sharing that. It's that time again. See, this is what happens. We get these serious moments, uh, right? And for people. some reason, it'd be Tom. Wait, let me show you something phone. with these with these iPhones. They got a little snip, right? A little snap button. Don't right tell me you didn't notice that. Please don't. And tell now me. it's on silent. Oh my God! Look, he's looking at it. Like, <laughs> Sorry. He's looking at it like, where'd that button come from? Oh, you see, what is that? You see how it's red now? Yeah. A, that means it's on silent, and then you just flip it back up, and it goes to regular volume. Oh my! So we do have a question from oh, the okay. audience. So Pastor Pete asks, uh, how do you feel about if your experiences were necessary in becoming who you've become? And did you have to walk the path for God to get you where you are? Um, yes, my experiences were definitely necessary to become who I've become. I feel like uh, I've always had a loving and generous heart for those in need. But, you know, I don't I've, I it. I don't know if I'd ever be able to decipher if that's nature or nurture. I think that's because I felt like I wasn't given things, so I, I inherently want to give other people those things, right? So I don't know if that's nature or nurture there, but uh, I definitely feel grateful for my experiences, and my experiences definitely give me the ability to relate to a lot of different people because I've lived a, many different... I feel like I've lived a lot of different lifetimes, but... Um, I've been around and, you know, uh, all different types of people. And that, that gives me the ability to relate to people, which is huge. Um, I think pastor might be asking, was it necessary for you to go through everything you went to through in order to become a Christian? Is there a different path you could have taken to shorten some of that pain? Oh, yeah. 
when I went to church with my grandma when I was eight years old, I could have just listened, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think we're just, I think he's more going towards because we, me, and him talk about this a lot, and I say it about my own personal life that I, I went away from Christ for thirty years in my life, and I did a lot of bad stuff, um, and a lot of stuff that happened to me. But I feel it was essential for me to go through those things in order for me to be who I am now. Oh, yeah, you know, me too. I could yeah. have chosen, I was born, I was brought up Christian. I could have easily, you know, not easily, I shouldn't say that, but, well, if I can go back, I would just choose to just be a Christian my whole life, you know? Yeah. But, but for me, the stuff that I went through, all the sorrows that I went through, I personally feel that I, I needed to go through this. I needed to go through the ex-wife so I could appreciate the amazing wife that I have now. Yeah. So, so, so I think he's trying yeah, to figure out. Are they, do you feel that I wouldn't change a thing, right, in my life, right, at all? Uh, definitely not. And and again, that's because of the the bond I have with Jesus and how strong I feel that is, and as well as the ability my life has given me to relate to so many different people and have so many different people, um, you know, trust me with what I have to say. You know, especially with what I'm doing now. I mean, I can talk to many different denominations and, you know, and, and they'll, you know, I can relate to, uh, you know, I can pull from that part of my life and, um, and build that trust and, and rapport. And, and just, I know. extremely important. We're getting close on time, but I, I want, I want you to, to kind of tell people what you are doing right now. Yeah, that's um, going to be my, my next question. Yeah, is. because I feel it's so, in, it's kind of like watching the movie, but we don't know how the movie ends. Yeah. And you went through all that. Now, where has God brought you? So, uh, it's, it's, so I was working a job in an office as in, in supply chain and logistics and buying. Um, and I absolutely hated it, right? I worked eight hours a day, and in my brain, I got 24 hours a day of stress, anxiety, and like, ugh, you know? <laughs> um, so for, for a solid six months, I, I probably applied to, you know, 50 jobs, all in the same field, right? Because they were management in, in some way, because that's what I did for about seven years. Um, and not everything was falling through for one reason or another. Um, and I just kept, I kept praying about it. I started asking other people to pray for me about it. Um, and then, uh, and then Tom here turned down a job and got me an interview with, uh, <laughs> cause he, you know, he's busier than me. So <laughs> full, so, full circle. So he says. Um, so, uh, anyway, it got, got me, uh, an interview with, um, a nonprofit organization called Pottstown Lift, Pottstown Living in Faith Together. And uh, we were able to open a seasonal shelter in Pottstown um, at St. Al's Old School, St. Aloysius Parish and their old school building. And uh, like I said, we, we got city approval December 17th and we opened up and we've been, uh, it's been steady. It's been amazing. The, the, there's, there's already, I mean, I can think of like probably 10 amazing outcomes and stories in the last month, um, that have come out of that. But we, we have had an average of about 16, 17 people a night in, uh, in the last four weeks. And, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. And that's where, you know, I feel like my experiences come in so, so strongly because I can relate to the, 
70-year-old guy with mental illness, or I can relate to the to the 20-year-old kid who, you know, um, is just angry at the world. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's it's huge what, what's going on in Pottstown, though, because there are so many organizations and community, really the community has, has uh, just kind of, you know, put their hands from, uh, uh, put their hands under us and are raising us up and supporting us. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, that's that's it's an amazing story because, you know, it's it's we all go through hard times and we always question it. Why are we going through this? You know, and sometimes we just never get the answers. But sometimes we we have an experience like you where we now understand why a lot of those bad things happen mm-hmm. because we are better equipped to help other people. Not not saying that we know how they feel, but we're better equipped to help those other people because we went through something right. similar to what they're going through. Right. Um, and to see you do a complete circle of, of just struggling, not making it, struggling, not making it, to a position now where you're helping people that were in your situation, right? Right. And, and you're able to offer and help that support. And also, it's Christian-based, Right, so you're yeah. able to also show the love of Jesus Christ and build that relationship, which is the important thing that we try to do with with homeless people is build mm-hmm. that relationship. So it's an honor to have you here. Um, I'm not closing the show out yet. He's going to close it out. I do want to say one thing real quickly about Tom. Um, just a little backstory. His dad is one of my personal mentors, and, and two of the biggest lessons that that his dad taught me was one when I had Risters, it's, it was an ice cream shot in Pottstown. I do deal with the homeless people a lot and they were coming to my place of business and he's the one that gave me the perspective of having an open door policy for everybody that walks into my business. And the other big thing that, that this uh, my mentor taught me, who is his dad, is that go through life looking at everybody as they are Jesus Christ, right? So how would you act to somebody if you knew they were Jesus Christ? How would you serve that person? So if you go around serving everybody like they're Jesus Christ, if everybody did that, what an amazing world we would live in. Yeah. <clears throat> Two things I noticed before I do my thing. Do your thing, brother. If you ever notice, whenever Tom says Jesus Christ, he smiles extremely hard. He does. That's a good thing. Um, yeah, and, and just, I didn't know you guys' full relationship, but he can't help but to brag over you. Talking yeah. about you <laughs> yeah. while watching him, it's like it's almost like watching a dad talk about his son. So clearly, he's extremely proud. Extremely of proud shows. of this gentleman. It shows. It shows. Proud of him, yeah. It shows. Did we get all our prayer requests? And no. re- real quick, so sorry. Can I say something real quick? Cool. So, when, about when I was probably like 21 years old, one of the first times I tried to get so that sounded pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I got a, a tattoo of a heart under my left eye here, and my intention there was to. Exactly like you just said, which is funny because I don't uh, know if my dad ever said that specifically to me, but um, was to treat everybody as if they, you know, as, as if everyone's the same. So the tattoo of a heart on my face was to represent approaching everyone with love and everyone equally. So that's... You know, I, I didn't even notice that until you pointed it out. Yeah. Now, now you're gonna go viral. No, I'm kidding. He's <laughs> gonna stare every on, time he sees you on SoundCloud. Like, <laughs> oh, I got some stuff for SoundCloud. I'll let you hear it when we hang up. Uh, uh, no, no, I'm kidding. Well, I'm serious. All right, good. <laughs> All right, so guys, I'm gonna go around. If uh, you have any more prayer requests at this time, please feel free to post them in the comments. 
Uh, if I miss it before I pray, I will come back. I will write them down. I will pray for them during the week. But let's go around the room. Rooster, what do you got this week? Uh, I just want to keep the uh, the Duncan family in, in our prayers. Um, as they have a tough time coming up. Tom, you got any prayer requests this week? Um, praises as well. We take praises or prayer. I'm trying to know. think of a praise, man. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd like to pray for the people who uh, make the decisions for the homeless shelter mm. right now. Pray for them to have open minds and um, soft hearts. <clears throat> On a fly... I pray that if uh, if we didn't have a lot of listeners or viewers tonight, I pray that a crap ton of people tune back in to hear this show because your testimony, I truly believe, can help somebody because it's actually helped me and it's given me insight on how to approach a certain issue. And um, I just pray that other people hear it as well. Guys, real quick, also, what, on, in his testimony, he said that, that there was a time in his life where he wrote everything down, good and bad, and actually sat there and compared it, and, and it helped him get through a lot of things. And a lot of times people tell us, write the good and the bad, and we're like, yeah, that's dumb. It works. It works. Go ahead. I'm sorry, brother. All right. Well, I'm going to pray for you this week, brother. I know you got mm. a lot of things going on and uh, yeah. a lot of things you're facing, brother. So I'm going to pray for you this week. Thank you. Sarah? Um, I went to the physical therapist for my broken wrist, and um, it's coming along really nicely. So I'm um, praising God for that. Are I'll still be to, out on... Are you able to whip and nay nay? <laughs> I cannot nay nay. Can, can we get nay. the hockey stick and go with the Mighty Ducks then? <laughs> I, I'm supposed to be doing that. I can't do it yet. Um, but I'll be out of work. Um, for a while, but praise that God put me in a place where I have, you know, good disability benefits. Yeah. I need a babysitter. I'm not a warrior's friend. He's a, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say where she's at, but she's not close. That's out the window. So I'm taking this. So Tom, because he mentioned that about writing it down, I think it's, it's very important to piggyback on that and say every decision for me, it, it needs to be followed by action. Otherwise, it doesn't do anything. People don't see what we think. They don't. What we think doesn't matter to the world. It's about what we do. And words don't mean anything. It's no. the action that does. Yeah. You could say it a thousand times, but it doesn't right. make it any right if you don't do it. Right? Yeah, and you could say it zero times and do it once, and then it means something. Absolutely. That's why every time people say knowledge is power, I say, no, it's not. The <laughs> implementation of the knowledge is where the power lies in. Yes, it's sir. a big word. He did. he did. He did. I'm proud of you, Tom. Thanks, brother. Thanks for that. I did been, a video on he's that. He's been hanging around Pete a lot. All these motivational speakers, <laughs> knowledge is power. Ah, not, not really. Unless you implement it, then then it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Just listen to PE. All right, go ahead. All right. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> let's take this out. The, the, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't even think. Elijah, yeah. you got anything? You good? Mm, on the spot. I, yes. What do you got? Um, <laughs> My dad and my mom. Okay. And Sam? Right? Did I get that um, right? You got that right. Yes. Um, 
pray for my son right now because he's going through some stuff and not feeling too good. So praying for that. Hmm. <clears throat> Sorry, we just had another one come in on the screen. Give me one sec to write my stuff down. All right, guys, let's pray. Father God, as always, we want to come to you in thanks. Um, because without you, none of us would be here. Uh, but we really want to thank you this week for our brother Tom coming in and sharing his testimony with us, Lord. I mean, it's so impactful, the way you work in people's lives, Lord. So continue to bless him and the ministry that he's working with and just the people he's going to come in contact with and he'll be able to help, Lord. So... Well, we want to lift up the Duncan family this week in prayer as they um, have a difficult day at the end of the week as they say goodbye to a father, grandfather, husband, brother. Uh, just be with them this week, Lord. Um, Lord, be with the people who make the decisions uh, for where Tom's work, you know, the work that Tom's doing. They have to make, soften their hearts. Give them the opportunity to see how you see things and give them a glimpse at the plan that you have laid out before them, Lord. Excuse me. I want to pray for my brother Elijah this week. And all that means and all that surrounds him. There are so many things that we don't know about going on. So many moving parts, so many people involved. So I want to pray for everybody involved in that situation, Lord. That the situation will be played out with your compassion because you know that exactly how things should fall into place, Lord. So just be in that all this week. I want to lift up praise for Sarah and her continued recovery. There's so many things running through my mind right now. I want to lift up Sam's son, who's not feeling well. But you would be in that. You are the great healer, the great physician, Lord. We have a praise that Zeke that we've been praying for, he's returned home. And we want to lift up the McNair family, as again, they also say goodbye to a loved one this week that we returned home to you. Lord, we never know the plan. But when we can trust the outcome, that is the most amazing thing that we could ever rely on. That we know that what you say and what you do, we can put our faith and our trust in with no doubt. Because you will never let us down. You will never forsake us. So Lord, I ask that you would send the Spirit among everybody involved right now in, in this room, in this space, in this church, because there is hands and feet moving for Christ right here in this building right now that are on fire and motivated for you, Lord. So continue that. Continue to make us a beacon of light and hope to draw in more to draw in those that want to help, that those are afraid to help, that those who just don't know how, and bring those that are broken, that we can show them you through our actions, Lord. 
because we're beyond speaking. We're beyond words at this point, Lord. We are putting into action the plan that you've known for so long. So let everything that we do be a sweet fragrance unto you and let it be a blessing amongst your people, Lord. We ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Oh, <laughs> he didn't have his headphones on, so he didn't know how loud it was. Yeah, it was, that was a little. Yeah. Little, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. So we're going to do it different this week. I get to do the closing, and I get to do it with a quote. You got to stick your finger in there? Excuse me? No. This dude That's not something we can discuss in like two minutes. He's had that phone for like two weeks and he's just learning how to use it. But we're still Um, Why why, why would you want to unsilence it now? We're still going. I'm going to leave Because Elijah's talking, you're just going to interrupt what he's doing. (laughs) I didn't get to. I want to do this quote so we can go. Cannot go. Cannot go. All right, here we go. This is a quote by Woodrow Wilson. I got my glasses so I can see it. It says, you are not here to merely make a living. You are here in order to enable the world to live more amply, with greater vision, with a finer spirit of hope and achievement. You are here to enrich the world and you impoverish yourself if you forget the errand. That is Woodrow Wilson. Um, I'm going to tack on to that. Um, one of the things that I've really, really learned recently <clears throat> is that um, we should, in life, and when things happen, we should all learn to hate the sin, not the sinner. As my son makes a funny face, because that is a, that is a quote from Hamilton. <clears throat> but what I just learned today, what opened my eyes is that all of us as adults and parents, we pray for our future, meaning the youth. And to have him pray for his parents means the world to me. To know that he knows the Lord and he knows prayer can help. Amen. So, <clears throat> if we made you laugh, if we made you cry, if we made you think, if we made you turn this off and say you'll revisit it later, I'm just glad we did something. So, later this week, you can listen to us, watch us on your favorite podcast or streaming service, which would be uh, YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify. I always forget the one. There's one more. Isn't there one more? Or Facebook. Or Facebook. Yeah, or Facebook, like you're doing it right now. Um, <laughs> thank you, everybody, for tuning in to episode 44. Hopefully, Dave will be back. Hopefully, he won't be back because I would love to have Tom back. Um, <laughs> but when we come back, it'll well, we can be bring episode. another chair in. We don't have to <laughs> kick well, someone we, out. No, no, no. no. It, gets, <laughs> it, gets, it gets crowded. We can get rid of Tom. Um, the other Tom, I'm sorry. So, thank you for watching episode 44, and we hope to see you back for episode 45. Good night. God bless from all the prodigal sons and our special guest, Tom. Thank you for coming, and we hope to see you guys again. Thank you all. Have a good night, guys. Thank you all.